0: Back to another edition of Boilers Extra. I'm Nathan Baird from the Journal and Courier. He's Mike Carmen, also of the Journal and Courier, and hopefully recovered from the scene of the crime last night in Chicago. Probably not a topic he wants to even discuss tonight, but he was there for the what we now know is a tipped, <laughs> attempted game-winning field goal. Um, but a, a, a crushing loss, a tough way to end the season. A double doink, the <laughs> double doink, the rare double doink.
1: <laughs> I can't ever remember a football game ending that way
0: you have seats for people who who have not been invited <laughs> to a Bears game with Mike Carmen, which is most of you probably um your seats are adjacent one of the the north end zone the north the, the end zones was that no, the end I'm zone not in the end zone into? but I'm on the side right. of the so end zone was that the end zone yes. you were kicking into yes so you got a nice vantage <laughs> point for both your eyes and your ears <laughs> of that play
1: yeah um you know, I think the, the the mood of most of the crowd, at least around our area, was just don't hit the upright. You know, you can miss the field goal, but just don't hit the upright because mm-hmm. how many times is he hitting an upright this year? Six, seven? Well, there were three or four just in the one game, right? Yeah, against uh, Detroit. Right, but he kept doinking it off the the upright. Yeah, and it makes that sound, oh, yeah. that booming sound. Yeah. And he even did one at uh, Minnesota. Yeah, just last week. Yeah, this like, week. Yeah. Oh my. Gosh, not again! I yeah. mean, he's he's become actually proficient at hitting an upright. I don't know if there's a sport that he can play. Where hitting the upright actually means something other than a loss. Well,
0: it's like um, in bowling. If someone were to just throw it and only get a one by clipping off the one or the ten yeah. or the uh, I'm sorry, the seven or the ten. Yeah, you're like you couldn't do that on purpose. You couldn't just you couldn't on purpose just hit that one pin. I mean, the, the really
1: good bowlers could, but most of us can't. Right.
0: Um, and it's kind of the same thing. It's like you almost can't. It's it's it'd be harder to try to hit the upright than to just kick the field goal.
1: Right. But uh, as you said, now the NFL has ruled it was tipped. So it's technically a block kick. It gives some new perspective on but it. But did did the block or the tip how, what did it change of the trajectory of the right. kick and right. and all that? Um but the bottom line is he's an NFL kicker. 43 yards is not out of the question for an NFL kicker to hit that field goal in your home stadium. Yes. And on it, an, on a not bad conditions. There was some wind but not anything too terribly uh out, out yeah you know, it didn't the elements were not in my opinion were not a factor but he has to hit that kick that's just the bottom line for that there's other factors in the game and that that played a role that you shouldn't have been in that position exactly I was about but, to bring up ten yeah. men on the field when they're when the, well that when one Eagles drive that one drive when they scored the first touchdown when they scored their first touchdown you had a late hit which was obviously a late hit and a uh, basically an attack on a human being, <laughs> a receiver. Uh, the, then you have the 10 men on the field or the 12 men on the field or however many men they didn't have on the field. Uh, and then the pass interference penalty on yeah. a, a Mukamara which, uh, you know, but that's that's the way the NFL. Those go both ways those, Yeah, too. they do. I mean, it's, and there's there were plays last night when I'm like, oh, that's not interference. Okay, yeah. thank you. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, so, that that one drive was just filled with flags. And at, at some point in that game last night, I'm thinking, it's like, really, no one's doing anything on third down but creating penalties. Like, all these penalties on third down, that's the only way drives are staying alive. Yeah. So this is not a well-played game offensively oh, I didn't. All. I didn't think it was a good game at all, really, from either side. Um, but but well, you need to, the, your number one defense has to keep them out of the end zone on the game-winning drive. Yep. Your offense has to be better than what it was in the first half. Yep. Um, Trubisky probably needed to run more, but then I heard after the game that he may have injured his heel in some way that prevented him from, from running. Uh, and then you're missing your tight end Trey Burton, who just woke up with a sore groin on Saturday morning. Uh, and then he, he had to be a big part of their game plan. But – they were relatively healthy all the year, throughout the year. But in this one game, they were missing a lot of key, yeah. key components. And but anyway, it was, it, it's, in a way, it's similar, not not greatly, but I, I view it a little bit like Purdue's season where you had a good year, you got to a bowl game, but then there's this stain. Yeah, it's
0: unfulfilling. <laughs> it, 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 yeah, it's it, it, yeah, absolutely. unfinished
1: business a little bit. Where in the Bears you had a, you had a terrific regular season, you're twelve and four, you win your division, you're expecting to move on, but then you have this, oh, uh, just loss that you, right. that puts a knot in your stomach. But they're, you know, in the big picture, there's there should be brighter days ahead when you look at both yes. both situations. It's
0: still a young team that has something to grow for, and I, I felt like um, in the same way that if Purdue had just. Competitively played that game as opposed to having it be over halfway through the first quarter or whatever it was. Um, I think if the Bears had just won one game, and you could just get through the second round, I feel yeah. like even even for the Colts who were one and five and then made the made this run, even if they if they lose their first game, I still think it's it's un it's it, it just it's unfulfilling when you lose that first when the first round of play. Well,
1: especially when it's at home, you're your division champ, right? you just yeah i was just really if they would have won one playoff game this year i would have deemed it a success that yeah. had to go to the rams which you know i know they beat the rams earlier but different situation that you know all those all those kind of things but you know when we start having a bears podcast <laughs> which would be great I'm we can sure have a Bears
0: podcast. I'm sure people would listen to I'm it. I'm not sure
1: that's why people would be pressing this button. That's true. This is not Bears extra. This but we is we have. A, extra. We're going to talk about a guy that maybe could play for the Bears
0: one day, <laughs> perhaps. Well, maybe maybe a, a couple. Um, and yeah, so my, my fandom turns to baseball now. Uh, but a lot of people's fandom is still uh, with Purdue, and it's um, that's why you're here. We're going to talk a little bit of football, and then I've got an interview with uh, Purdue freshman Trevion Williams that uh, we're going to put in at the end and uh, heading into their game tomorrow night at, uh, Tuesday night I should say, at Michigan State. Um, but a couple of pieces of news just want to quickly um, talk to you about that happened over the weekend. Um, David Bell announcing, it turns out it's, it, we've been trying to kind of drop some hints here that this was in the works. And um, David Bell the receiver from Warren Central announces at the All-American Bowl that he's going to Purdue. Not only was he announcing for Purdue, but he was already signed, sealed, and delivered for Purdue at that point. So another addition to what is already a really impressive recruiting class. So kind of just your thoughts on on, on what this means for Purdue long-term, what it means for this offense. Um, not Maybe not even long-term, maybe short-term. I mean, as early as next fall, this seems like a significant boost.
1: It, yeah, it really is uh, because now you, you've probably filled out your wide receiver group. This, these are these are going to be the the core wide receivers for this offense for the next at least two years because you you combine David Bell, Milton Wright, uh, Marshawn Rice, T.J. Sheffield, along with Rondell Moore, and with some of the other guys that are coming back with Jared Sparks, and maybe some of the freshmen that we haven't seen in a game yet then you're you not only do you have really strong frontline receivers, now you've got some depth where you can rotate six, seven guys in there and not not have a big drop off. And that's you know, I think that's where where they're headed with this. And on paper, this probably if they all live up to what their stats say and their talent, that they they may walk out of here as probably the greatest wide receiver group in the history of the program. Now I know that's a lot to put on a group, but coming in, I don't think Purdue football has ever had this group of wide receivers at this talent level. This many before. at one time. This many at one time. So, you know, you're looking at a lineup potentially next year, or at least a rotation of having guys on the field with David Bell on the outside, R- Rondell Moore on the inside, uh, maybe Marshawn Rice on the other outside, TJ Shot or TJ T. Sheffield as another slot. Now that's a lot of freshmen and sophomores uh, out there, but you know, you sprinkle in a Jared Sparks, you sprinkle in Jackson Anthrop, you sprinkle in, you know, some of these other guys that haven't really played yet, like Ahmad Anderson Jr. Then, and then you have, you have the makings of, you know, opponents having to play you fair. You know, they can't, it's hard, for, it'd be hard for them to double team any one guy in mm-hmm. that group, if they, if they're performing at a high level. Now, you not everyone is going to come in and be Rondell Moore from a production standpoint. In fact, I would be surprised, and, you know, maybe maybe I'm not thinking looking at it the right way, but I, I kind of would be surprised if Purdue has another uh, player that has 100-yard catches. 100 Coming catches up, in a season. Uh, yeah, 100 catches in a season because you'll be tr- distributing the ball around differently and uh, getting more guys involved. So, I mean, you could have three guys with 75, 70. I mean, I don't. I think that's out of the question
0: well the other way to look <laughs> at it is Purdue has fewer proven running backs going into next year and a quarter and a coach who would just as soon throw it every down he would so maybe it maybe it still does play into right. the idea of having a hundred receptions mm-hmm. um, if am no, being it, a little it, facetious but um but yeah, and I think people sometimes forget and you're alluding to it it's not just bringing in a guy who now comes and is your is a good number one guy. It's how much better it makes you at that third spot, fourth spot, fifth spot. That's where I think that that Purdue lacks against the best of the Big Ten sometimes when you're going up against a Michigan State and Ohio State and you're always assuming that they're you know, somebody's out for them, but the guy stepping in for them is better than the guy that you have at the same position. Yeah, and
1: you can you know, if a guy gets nicked up, then your your depth comes into play there where you're you're not there's not that big Big drop off that you have at other positions, but specifically with David Bell. He's a big guy, about 6'2, 200 pounds. He, he's just extremely athletic. He moves, you know, just, you know, as Kevin O'Shea, the North Central coach, told me, just, you know, it's kind of effortless. I mean, it's just, he's just gliding in a way, just like that skater on ice that just keeps. Yeah, you know, moving without really breaking a sweat. I mean, the guy's working hard. He, you know, he, he does break sweats. <laughs> he does do all that stuff, but it's just, it comes so natural to him that, um, it, it just, it just looks good. I mean, it, it's hard to, to compare him to anybody because you just, Purdue hasn't had that kind of receiver in a long time. It's always been a mystery to me that Purdue could have all these great quarterbacks, but not have a good collection of receivers to go with him because you would think the quarterback would attract yeah receivers yeah uh so in you know this this is a big deal for Purdue because it's an in-state guy he announces on national television similar to what Rondell Moore did last year he even did the same thing Rondell Moore did he reached for the Ohio State hat and then picked up picked up the Purdue hat and <laughs> Rondell was like Trolling him on Twitter about that, <laughs> uh, but you get that national exposure two years in a row. You've already got a top twenty-five recruiting class. He's going to bump up that mark, uh, and you have, you know, it, as it turns out, you have three guys uh, playing in the All-American Bowl that day. Yeah, which is that's a that's a, that's a neighborhood Purdue never has never really well a lot of teams ventured. don't. I
0: mean, to have three at one time playing in an right. event that prestigious is saying something. Now like
1: it that. might be hard to do that again because. You know, one thing Purdue is promising early playing time to these guys, so the the uh, the idea of coming in and playing immediately probably is not going to be attractive for some players next year right. because these spots are already taken, at least at the receiver position. So you got to look you look elsewhere, but um, it's a big deal because it's in the state of Indiana. You know, Braum has made that a priority recruiting wise, especially the Indianapolis area, and you've got to get kids. You got to get big time players out of that. Really, the the Mick Conference, when you get right down to it, because yeah. that is the best the best conference probably in the Midwest, and probably one of the best in the United States when you when you get right get right down to Just it. Just in and, terms uh,
0: of athletes developed, yeah, right, especially mean, like football players. I mean,
1: you you have, I believe, what there's eight schools in that conference. They they have there 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 are a boatload of D- Division one players. And, you, you know, David Bell doesn't go out of state. He doesn't go to Ohio State. He doesn't go to a Michigan. He doesn't go to a Penn Iowa. State, Iowa. And, yeah, to me, I mean, we could have a whole podcast of Purdue has to win battles with Iowa. Yeah. No, I think that's, I
0: mean, that's, and that's why I mentioned them because that's, I mean, okay, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State, whatever's happening on that side, you've got to beat out the guys head to head that are in your division. You just right. have to.
1: You and have Iowa to. has made a living coming in Indianapolis Especially, and getting guys. Exactly. And Purdue has to win those battles if it wants to win the West, bottom line. And Iowa, to me, is their biggest recruiting um, uh, adversary, or however you want to put it. I use in there too, but Iowa has made a living bringing uh, Indianapolis guys and taking them back to Iowa City. So David Bell is significant in a lot of lot of ways for Purdue, um, and he's a guy that has, will come in and play uh, immediately. I mean, he'll have to earn it. He'll have to do all the right things, and if he follows – Rondell Moore's work ethic and approach, then he'll he'll be just fine, and um, I, I fully expect him to be on the field day one. I don't think Rondell Moore started the very first game, but by play two, I think he was in there. So hey. <laughs> starting in football is kind of uh, a little. Was he
0: was were they back? Was he back for the kickoff? Did they receive the opening kickoff?
1: Uh, I I can't remember. It's been a while. It's been. <laughs> It's been a while. I've seen too many football games. But he was a presence from the first game for sure. I mean, it right. was it was clear
0: that he was going to be a a you know maybe the focal point of the offense. And, and it would be interesting next year to have a talent like that on the field where that doesn't have to be the case. I mean, he still is a significant portion of the offense. But like you're saying, giving a defense more things that they have to be very fearful of in a way that maybe they weren't
1: this well, year. Well, Purdue's first opponent next year, Nevada, is – looking at David Bell tape at some point yep. <laughs> coming up in the next few weeks because that's who they're going to have to look at, and they're going to look at Rondo Moore and all that other stuff, all those other guys. So it's, it, it just creates, it creates a better situation for Purdue's offense, but I would also caution people. While Purdue, I think, has the skill people now in place to really bump this offense up, to what happens on the offensive line is really going to determine how far they can go. Uh, in, in front of a quarterback who, frankly, has had some health. He's concerns. had some health issues, but he has, I think, has the talent to really Absolutely. make but this offense go. But he's not going to be the scrambler that David Blau right. uh, was. Uh, he's going to be sitting in the pocket a lot more. So you got to have the protection, and you still have to figure out a way to run the ball and have some success that way. And they'll have some unproven backs back there. But to me, it, you know, going into spring practice, and we'll delve into this later, um, like in weeks, not in minutes. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Is the offensive line? You got you got a lot of questions there, and Matt McCann's injury um, now puts that position and some of those players leaves a bigger question mark as far as moving forward. What's going to happen? But that to me, that's the next best, next big thing that Jeff Brom has to do from a recruiting standpoint and a development standpoint is yeah. getting um, getting the offensive line. The way that he he needs it and he wants it, and I I just don't know if it's going to magically happen. Right, it's now.
0: There's a short turnaround to make that happen, and I think whoever wins this running back, whoever can can establish themselves in pass protection, is going to have a big leg up in getting running back. Right. That could reps. be Richie
1: Worship, could be, you know, maybe the one of the two freshmen that are coming in. That um, you know you've got Horvath coming back. Uh, you got Evan Anderson, a, a, a freshman. There's a couple other walk-ons there, but um, you know having worship back in the fold I think will help from a just running the ball standpoint, especially between the tackles. But you know can he hold up in pass protection? But you know to me it's it's now it's now it's time. Whatever they do, you know I'm really curious to see how the freshmen last year on the offensive line developed, how big they look, and can they now step in in spring practice and start start to look like an offensive line that they need because if you can get average protection you know if you don't if you wouldn't have a drop off from what you've had the last two years from an offensive line standpoint and i'm not saying they were great but they were serviceable yeah they they did what they needed to do if you can maintain that level then i think this offense really has a chance to to take off
0: well, that was good news for the offense and good news for the defense came Sunday night when Marcus Bailey announced he was coming back. And I think that was the expected – we've talked about it here on this podcast. I mean, that was the expected announcement, but you never know for sure. And, and you brought up some good points as to why now might be a good time for him to, to jump the NFL or someone in his position might consider that. But he decided he – I, I like this quote in, in the tweet he sent out was that – that, that bolt, basically, I'm paraphrasing, that bowl performance can't be the last – the way to go out. And I do, I do wonder regardless of whatever feedback
1: he got, knowing him just a little bit, that
0: does seem credible that that weighed on him a little bit and making
1: this oh, decision. no question. I, I, he, he, he deeply cares uh, about things like that. He didn't want to, um, you know, I'm not trying to put words in his mouth, but he didn't feel like, okay, if I leave down my abandoning abandoning my teammates after that, you know, embarrassing mm-hmm. loss, yeah. Am I being selfish type of thing? I, I you know, I don't know. That'll be that'll be up to him to explain his. his I, I certainly wouldn't have seen it that way, but no, I, and I, and, you know, but you don't, you don't know how these young men think nowadays, right. and, and 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 if that is the case, you know, what he put out in his tweet, you know, I think it shows another step in his leadership skills and being being truly a captain of this team by saying okay. Whether he was he wasn't good enough. Obviously, the defense wasn't good enough that day. Right. Uh, he didn't want to leave on those terms, and that's that's a good quality to have. It's a good quality to have in your locker room, and I think that bodes well for him. And what it does for Purdue is it give, gives gives you, you their best player on defense back. I mean, it's just that's just the way it is. He's their best player, and anytime you have your best player back playing similar to basketball, anytime you have Carson Edwards. On your team, you got a chance. Yeah. So Purdue defensively has a chance, and I fully expect this Purdue defense now to play more closer to the two thousand seventeen level than they did in two thousand eighteen. Just based on experience, just based on that front seven knowing now what what to do, how to do it. I think they gained a lot. Uh, you are going to have more depth on the line because I, you know, I think everybody everybody's eligible to come back for, on in the front seven. That mm-hmm. means everybody on the defensive tackles, your defensive ends, to your linebackers are all eligible to come back. And that should bode well for, for this defense in uh, 2019. You lose some, you lose your starting
0: corners from the bowl game and Blackman and Case, and you lose Jacob Thieneman. But the rest of that starting defense from the bowl game can't come back, and that doesn't include Lorenzo Neal, who was out with the, uh, the torn ACL. So um, I, I just think it's huge because Marcus Bailey does so much. I don't even mean that just from an intangible standpoint, but I mean literally on the field. He's he's one of your biggest pass rush threats. He can get out and cover in in in, in coverage when he needs to, and obviously he's your leading tackler. It's just to to have something like that coming back and then letting this defense keep growing around him. I think um, it, you know it's one of those things that potentially makes a difference between whether Purdue is again scraping by to get to that six win level or whether they're going to push for you know eight
1: or whatever, more than that. So. Well, and you're, you're, you're potentially incorporating a pair of maybe two new guys in this freshman class, George Koloftis being one, right. who's going to get every opportunity to to play defensive end, uh, and then maybe another guy on the line that might get a shot to get in the rotation. And then you're going to bring some, some true freshmen who didn't play this past year, uh, giving them an opportunity, you know, a guy like – you know, maybe Branson Dean that might be able to fill that Leo role where then Derek Barnes can become a true linebacker or Barnes and Dean share the Leo role. So you don't see them keeping Barnes at Leo long-term? I I don't know. I think eventually that's probably where they see him. Uh, But –
0: May not be the maximum. May not be,
1: you know, but it it probably depends on what they want to do with him in the weight room or how they they view him – in that regard, now if you if you move him down there full time, do you have enough quality linebackers to fill his role? I mean, you'd have Bailey back and you, have, you would have Cornell Jones back, uh, you know you'd have Jalen Alexander back, but you're still thin at the linebacking group. and you going you know do you feel better about what you have on the line uh, as opposed to you know what you have in the linebacking room? Because, you know, it's hard. You know, I think a guy like Jalen Alexander, who's a true freshman this year, you know, had to step in and play more out of need than anything else. And do you have – is there somebody in the, in the 2019 class that you're going to plug in there as well to try to help with that depth? But, you know, if a guy like Karloftis can hold down the other end position, that gives you some flexibility and to, to do some other things up on the line. And, you know, all this is assuming Lorenzo comes back ready to go uh, for that first game, um, then you know I think Purdue can return to the the level it played at in 2017. Which you know when you look at the numbers and to look at the performance, for the most part they were they were pretty good. When you compare to what they were doing in 2016 and right. earlier, but they were pretty good. And I you know now Nick Holt's probably got a few more toys to work with, and how he can uh, how how he can. uh create more pressure and that's the thing they've got to get back to creating pressure with the front four Uh, and that's that's something that that really lacked this year more because of experience than anything else any pressure they got was more manufactured through blitzes and and other things they rarely won those one-on-one battles on the line with with the schedule that they played Uh, but You know the the defense had some some good moments. Ohio State was one of them, where they kept him out of the end zone for three quarters. Yeah, but also Auburn, (laughs) Auburn had a had a better performance against them. So you know Bailey Bailey's Bailey's a big addition, and you could you make the case that Purdue's Purdue has a top twenty five recruiting class, but the retention of Bailey and more importantly Jeff Brom were probably the biggest off season. Moves for this for this program.
0: Oh, I would I would 100% agree with that. Well, if you don't already follow Mike on Twitter uh, at Carmen underscore JC, he's got a blog up that kind of um, recap or at well I should say tracks a lot of these these the the offense the offseason moves that are happening with Purdue football, and that's a good way to keep up to date. I would probably just bookmark that if I were you, and um, and he'll keep uh, keep you informed that way. Uh, we're going to switch over to basketball now. Purdue goes up to East Lansing on Tuesday night to play the number six team in the country, Michigan State. They're 4-0 in the Big Ten. And um, you know, Purdue, obviously, is coming on a three-game winning streak. They look like they've turned a corner a little bit, but this week will tell them a lot about that. They play at Michigan State. Then they turn around and play at Wisconsin, which has is not in the top 25 anymore, but two weeks ago was the number 15 team in the country. So this is a tough week. And um, I, I want to talk to Trevon Williams just because he's been coming along and obviously playing better here the last – couple of weeks really starting with the notre dame game and establishing himself and also you know he's going back home again for the second time this year he's he's the michigan guy on this team and getting to play at breslin center is a big deal for him so just broached a few topics with him you may have also seen the bright pink shoes he was wearing for the iowa game the other night which were very hard to miss, especially because they were wearing gold uniforms, and it was a bit of a clash uh, happening there. But he explained where those came from and why he wore them and then talked a little bit about um, some other uniform stuff that might be going on. So um, hang along and uh, listen to Trevion Williams. I'm joined today by uh, Purdue freshman Trevion Williams, who's obviously been coming along here uh, in the last few weeks and taking a bigger role. Um, Trevion, kind of take me back to the Notre Dame game. I just How much did that game sort of change things for you going forward this season?
2: Um, just like you never know when your name's going to get called. So um, you just always got to be ready. Uh, and when I, my name got called, you know, I went in, did everything I was supposed to do. I played hard, uh, played as hard as I could. And from that point, you know, Coach showed a lot more confidence. Uh, and not just me, but his, all of his freshmen, even with Aaron and Eric and Sasha. Um, I feel like we've been stepping up to the plate last couple of games. You will know, making some big time plays, uh, playing some big time minutes. So um, I feel like the season continues to go on. Um, I feel like it's good. It's gonna. Our minutes are gonna increase, and we, like I said, we just always got to be ready. You just never know. So
0: obviously, people have talked before in sports about how you know a team can kind of feed off of each other. Is that working even kind of just with this younger group, the freshman group? Do you feel like that's happening? That you guys are all sort of kind of coming together and and, and and feeding off of each other?
2: Yeah, we definitely are. Uh, we always try to, like, keep positive energy. You know, we're, we always t- uh, talk to each other because, you know, we're the freshmen on the team. We're young. So we try to you know, hook each other out, whether it's plays or getting extra shots up. And I think little, little things like that uh, go a long way, uh, especially with our system and stuff like that. I'm trying to learn everything in, like, Purdue's system because there's a lot that comes with, like, coming as a freshman like plays and uh, just knowing who you're on the court with just that's a lot of things that come with it so uh, I think us for uh, being able to help each other out is a big is a big thing for us so
0: what's been the biggest defensive adjustment for you as a freshman and how do you feel like you're, you're coming along there
2: um, I would just say being able to move my feet uh, like I said uh, I've been, been able to move my feet a lot better uh, since I dropped all that weight and I'm not really thankful for my trainer for that um, he, he's been pushing me a lot, um, not just with like drills or you know, just like he's been doing on-court stuff too. And he's not even like a guy for basketball. Like, we have at the transfer, rep, but he he works for me on both ends, and um, I'm really thankful for him. Um, he's been I've been doing a lot of footwork stuff, which has really carried over to the court. So
0: is that that's um, Gavin Roberts you're talking about there? or You have another?
2: Yes, that's him. Yeah.
0: Um, one of the reasons you stood out the other night was the pink shoes you were wearing for, at home for the Ohio for the Iowa game. It's the first time I've seen you wear those. Can you kind of tell me the, the story behind that?
2: Uh, well, there's actually two reasons behind that. Uh, for one, I just like I don't know that's kind of my style. I kind of like having like a solid fit, and my shoes just like really bright stand out. Um, and then I know like the pink is supposed to be like breast cancer or whatever, but like. I just kind of put cancer, you know, it's a cancer thing, especially with, with Tyler. Um, I know how important he was, and I just tried to, I know we don't have, like, pink jerseys or anything, but, like, we have jerseys coming soon, but, like, that was just my, my account of my own thing. That was a different. One, so.
0: You guys have some kind of pink jerseys or, or, or some other kind of jerseys that are like coming black
2: soon? Black with, like, neon, I believe. Oh, yeah. yeah, and we were going to wear them at home. I don't know when, but... I've uh, took a glance at it so.
0: Gotcha. We um, kind of made a bigger deal when Carson went home to Texas earlier this season. This is going to be kind of your second. You're the only Michigan guy on this roster. This is your second chance to play up there in state, or is that a big deal to get to play a little bit closer to home?
2: Um, it definitely is a big deal. I have a lot of people uh, trying to come up to this game, of course. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know what it is, with Michigan State. I, I've been waiting on this game for a long time uh even since i even before i got to college like i've been wanting to play michigan state for the longest and you know now i finally get to do it you know i'm gonna take advantage of it and i'm gonna play as hard as i can so
0: why this game particularly why was michigan state such a big game
2: uh it's like you know i'm playing against my brother uh gabe brown um like we've been playing aau together for a while and just you know we always talk smack to each other but you know Once you step in that court, we're no longer brothers. So, um, and that's that's how it should go for anybody. Um, I think this is a big one for us, you know, trying to build our resume. So,
0: is there a lot of trash talking that goes on this week? Are you guys chatting leading up to this one?
2: Uh, We have we've been chatting uh, probably a while back, but like I would say, the last past month we haven't really been chatting because we know this game is coming up. So we've been trying to. I'm sure he's been trying to focus up, like just like I have.
0: That was Purdue freshman center Trayvon Williams. Come back to jconline.com Tuesday night after the game for more uh, reaction from Coach Painter and the players, and our obviously my report and uh, my, my post game breakdowns from that game. Follow me on Twitter at inbearjc. I'll give another shout out to Mike Carmen who has left the studio, but uh, at Carmen underscore jc. And uh, follow us on um, wherever you get your podcast from. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. I'm escaping me right now, but several other places where you can find this podcast, uh, download, subscribe, rate us, and and give us feedback. Let us know um, how we can make this better, how how, uh, other ways maybe we can get this podcast to you. So that's it for Boilers Extra this week, and we will be back with you soon.